And now it's time for the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, featuring health news, opinion, and insight from Wesley Chapel's concierge medicine physician, Dr. Tommy McElroy. And thank you for joining us today. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and this is Dr. Tommy McElroy. I'm a concierge medicine physician in Wesley Chapel, Florida. And I wanted to give you an update on the Ask Dr. Tommy website. We are having some uh, new developments. We have a site for contributors where you can see uh, contributions that are in print and uh, also podcasts. And then we're going to also have some uh, headlines. Uh, and so you can keep up to date with all the uh, free market type oriented medicine and business uh, developments that are going on across the nation, uh, not just in uh, our neighborhood here in Wesley Chapel. And today I have a, a tremendous uh, pleasure of having Dr. Merrill Matthews on. Uh, Dr. Matthews is a Ph.D. and resident scholar with uh, the Institute for Policy Innovation, which is an independent nonprofit public policy research organization. And his writings appear on Forbes.com and Rare Online. And Dr. Matthews, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, tell us a little bit about your history. You have a Ph.D. and you're a scholar. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I, my Ph.D. is in humanities. I have degrees in economics, uh, theology, and humanities. And I was specializing in medical ethics. Uh, and uh, as, an inter as a Ph.D. candidate, I spent uh, my internship at a think tank in Dallas back in the 1980s. Uh, most of the Ph.D. candidates were doing things with the teachers do as teaching assistants, but I went off to work at a think tank. Uh, and in 1992, that think tank called me back and said, look, uh, we need somebody to come run our Center for Health Policy Studies. And I had been heavily involved in sort of health policy and health ethics. And um, I went there and started uh, working on health policy issues right as the uh, Clinton health care issue was beginning to arise during that campaign. And so I've been, uh, I was with them for uh, that think tank, the National Center for Policy Analysis, for seven and a half years. And since then, I've been with the Institute for Policy Innovation, which is another nonpartisan, nonprofit think tank based in Dallas, and working on health policy and a range of other issues, but, but focusing uh, primarily on health policy. Yeah, I, I have uh, several documents here that we uh, that we uh, exchanged through email, and I just wanted to cover a few of them. Uh, one of the things that we talked about, or that that you covered, is Obamacare. So Obamacare is a uh, turned six years old today. It's uh, I don't know if I uh, covered an earlier broadcast. It's either auspicious or inauspicious, depending on your. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever you think about it. But the reality is, is that there are it's a, from a pure standpoint of uh, coverage and affordable care. It's your opinion, I believe, and mine as well, that it's it's been kind of a failure. Is that correct? I think that's absolutely right. The Obama administration, Barack Obama, promised that health care reform would increase access, lower cost, and improve the quality of health care in the United States. It has achieved none of those goals. In fact, it has made all of those problems worse. So your listeners, are uh, most of them will be seeing their health care premiums go up. It's less of a problem for people who have health insurance through their employer. That's about 160 million Americans, uh, workers and their dependents, uh, have their health insurance through an employer. So premiums are going up there, but not nearly so much as those individuals who go out and buy their own coverage in the health insurance exchange or just outside of the exchange buying it on the individual market. They have seen an explosion in health insurance premiums. And um, 
uh, and cancellation of policies. So it's created a lot of problems in the health insurance marketplace, and insurers are losing a lot of money from these uh, from that exchanges. So we don't know how this is going to play out yet, but it doesn't look good for the Affordable Care Act. And if, I, if I'm correct, United Healthcare has recently pulled out of the exchange. Isn't that correct? That's absolutely right. They they claim they lost uh, $425 million, I believe it was, last year. And they're expecting to lose about $500 million this year. So they have said they will pull out of the exchanges in most of the states. And uh, the administration stepped up and said, well, that's not that big of a deal because uh, they weren't that big of a player in it. Well, they were in a, a majority of states. Uh, and, and their claim is that more insurers are willing to step up, and a few, uh, Aetna being one, I believe, that said they are going to try to expand a little bit. But the fact that's happening here is that all the insurers are losing money. The, the insurers are not making money on this. And, uh, and we're not talking about small amounts. Uh, here in Texas, where I live, my wife was in a, um, a Blue Cross policy, a, a PPO that she enjoyed. Um, the uh, Blue Cross came up and canceled that policy and said everybody had to get into an Obama-qualified plan, so she did that. Her premium went from uh, her uh, her deductible went from $2,500 to $6,000, and her premium went up by 50%. That's even with that deductible more than doubling. And uh, and then they uh, they we got a letter last July from Blue Cross saying they had 367,000 Texans in that policy, and they lost 400 million dollars on it. And so they were canceling that policy, and everybody had to go in to uh, find something else. So the new plan had such a narrow network of physicians that uh, my wife, she only had one physician in the OBGYN who's been in, in the Dallas area for 40 years, and uh, he was not going to be in that plan, so we had to jump plans to another health insurer. Uh, but uh, people across the country are experiencing those problems right now. Yeah, and it's it's like you said, it's not only happening, you know, in the big communities, it's happening all across the nation. And unfortunately, it didn't have to be this way. Uh, I'm on the I'm online here with uh, Merrill Matthews, who is a uh, resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about since Obamacare is a failure, what, what's going to happen next? Is there going to be more bailouts? Is there going to be a, a, a new bigger, uh, better government plan, or, or is a free market going to be able to maybe take advantage of some of this uh, and really uh, transform medical care for the better? And this is Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and we're going to be right back. Hey everyone, there's no doubt you have questions about what happens in concierge medicine. More specifically, what would it look like if you did something similar too? I want to tell you about a gathering place where you can find answers to those questions and others and learn just what exactly these types of doctors do. On August 12 and 13 in Atlanta, Georgia, the 2016 Concierge Medicine Assembly hosted by Concierge Medicine Today is a place where you can be creative for a few short hours, explore those what-if questions, and interact with other physicians kneecap to kneecap who've rescued their career and live to talk about it. To learn more, visit conciergemedicineassembly.com. We hope to see you in Atlanta this fall. And thank you for joining us again. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and I have the privilege of being on with Dr. Merrill Matthews, and we're talking about Obamacare. And uh, we were talking earlier about uh, Obamacare's failed, essentially, to do what it was supposed to do. 
depending on what you believe, if there was really truth to what the the, the goals were or not, or if it was just a stalking horse for uh, a bigger uh, government plan in the future, which some people do believe. Uh, either way, there's going to be have to be some changes. Uh, we were talking during the break that maybe some of these changes would be uh, maybe cobbling together a few of these uh, remaining insurance companies and, and then maybe making them the favored companies and just propping them up with tax dollars. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's what they're trying to do right now. There were in the law, there were three mechanisms whereby the government or insurers could transfer money to other insurers. Uh, one's called a reinsurance provision, one's a risk adjuster. Uh, but the, these were all efforts to try to make sure through the back door that either insurers or the federal government could funnel money to insurers that were losing money as a way to kind of shore them up. Well, um, Marco Rubio uh, had in, uh, imposed a provision in there to sort of stop m some of that, and the administration now is looking for ways to try to get around it. So there's reports today that the Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees this, is looking for ways to try to essentially get around the law that was passed and that Obama signed, the special law, and try to funnel more money to insurance companies that are losing money. So uh, th there's a way to try to prop them up to, treat, to keep them going so that they don't begin to exit the, um, these uh, exchanges as they want to, but whether or not they're able to do that. And I think the key provision here is Republicans are going to try to stop that. Uh, they've already highlighted it, and they may very well file suit if the administration tries to funnel that money illegally into to the insurers. But if after the election you have a Democratic White House, a Democratic Senate and House, they may very well be able to pass, mon uh, pass money on to these insurers because they don't want to look like fools for passing something that doesn't work. And so the, uh, the, when they passed this legislation uh, six years ago, they thought it was going to create a, a Democratic House, Senate, and White House for years to come, and they'd be able to do whatever they wanted to. That did not turn out. In fact, the public uh, rebelled against the Obamacare legislation both in 2010 and then again in 2014. And um, uh, so I think if Republicans stay in charge of at least one body in the House, they will try to stop the administration from doing that, but we just don't know how that will play out. The law has not restricted this administration from doing things it wants to do, and it's going to try to make sure these insurers stay in. Yeah, and I think it's going to be hard for uh, politicians to go to go. Uh, on TV and say, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna bail them out because uh, I think Americans have been so conditioned to whenever there's a a limb fall on their car to go look to Washington D.C. for direction, and I think um, a lot a lot of the politicians like that, and so if if they can get on TV and say, hey, look, uh, we're we're gonna save that we're gonna save the situation now and and we're gonna just put put more money into the system. There's just not enough money. Um, I think that's a bad bad news, especially if we like you said if if Let's say Hillary Clinton gets elected. I mean, she how how uh, fitting would that be if Hillary Clinton came back in, you know, 20 plus years later after her failed Hillary care and now presided over the uh, next big phase of uh, Obamacare? That would be something else. And she has been ca uh, campaigning on this, saying that it's good legislation. It just needs to be uh, fixed a little bit, especially on the prices. Now, the irony here is that Obamacare was supposed to lower health insurance premiums for our family by $2,500 a year. 
if you're a family and your premiums have only gone up $2,500 a year, you're doing well because most of us have seen much higher premium increases. So Hillary wants to come in and try to um, uh, try to control the prices. That means various types of price controls coming down from the administration. It also probably means under the table uh, subsidies to help offset some of the cost. But uh, we just don't know where this is going to go yet. But Democrats have a vested interest in making sure this plan survives because it's Obama's legacy uh, signature legislation. And so they will do whatever they can in order to make sure they, uh, that, that it survives in some way that they can claim this is a victory. Yeah, this is the third greatest uh – well, not the third greatest, but the third great achievement of the modern American welfare state after Social Security and uh, Medicare, I suppose. Yes, and, and, and the third most expensive as well. Uh, it, it, as these premiums go up, the federal government subsidizing uh, something like eight or nine million Americans in the exchanges. And so as premiums go up, that means federal gov- the federal government, that is you and I as taxpayers, have to pay more money to offset this. And, Doctor, the, the, the great irony here uh, is that the administration comes out and talks about how those people who are getting subsidies, their premiums aren't going up that much. Well, that's because you and I as taxpayers are subsidizing them. Their premiums are not rising so much because we're, uh, we're funding it. And of course, uh, there, 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 was a widespread, there was widespread support for passing something to make sure low-income, uninsured people could have access to health insurance at the time that uh, Obamacare passed. But you could have done something for a lot less money and a lot less comprehensive that would have just addressed the problem. That's not what, what they want to do. What they want to do is fundamentally restructure the entire health care system. Yeah, that's correct. And I think it goes back to what Milton Friedman used to like to say is there any time that you have these big government initiatives, there's always two groups. There's the special interest and then there's the front man. And the front man may be uh, witting or unwitting. And in this case, the front man is the uh, the people who are out there saying, look, we need affordable health care for people. People are not able to afford a medical treatment, which may very well be uh, the case. And then the special interest groups are the ones that are saying, well, we're going to use this uh, emotional, hard-aching uh, story, and we're going to exploit that and then just uh, build on a crony corporatist um, type of structure. And, of course, and, the real uh, issue here is that, is that what the government wants to do is to manage the health care. It wants to tell doctors how to practice health care because our government is so good at managing everything else. Uh, exactly. They decided they wanted to, and so they're, they're – uh, uh, putting out rules, and also providing various types of financial incentives. So if doctors go along with what the government thinks they should be doing, uh, then they'll make more money. If they don't go along with that, they'll make less money. So the government is trying to put money behind the, its aspects of telling doctors how to practice medicine because the government knows best on this. And it is just, it is bizarre beyond belief that you people in Washington who don't even understand health insurance, much less health care, are going to be the ones deciding what is the best practices out there and how to make you physicians uh, follow those, uh, follow their uh, dictates. And there's a small group of physicians who are rebelling and, and they're, and you know I'm I'm one of those and uh but it's it's an uphill fight 
Uh, I'm on the, with Dr. Merrill Matthews, and we're going to take a little bit of break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about physicians and how they fit in with healthcare, and maybe some of the different ways that uh, they can uh, affect change. And this is Ask Dr. Tommy Show. We'll be right back. When it comes to healthcare, Americans pay as much as 10 times more than patients in other countries. Isn't it time we demand better? To find surgery pricing and to learn more about our specialists, visit surgerycenterok.com. And thank you for joining us again. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and I have the great privilege of being on with Dr. Merrill Matthews, who is a resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation. And we've been talking about Obamacare and uh you know, we're talking during the break. I say, well, we got to come up with something that's uplifting because this is it's getting a little depressing. But uh, I think one of the uplifting things is that there are some positions out there who uh, have eschewed the uh, government dictates. And uh, I'm one of those positions. There's other other physicians out there. There's, uh, if you listen to this podcast, Surgery Center of Oklahoma is a whole uh, medical uh, surgery center that has basically said, look, the uh, the laws of uh, meaningful use and all these dictates that you have stop at our door. And so, but, you know, what do you think about that? Is there a role? I mean, what is the role of physicians besides, you know, doing what I do? Is there a political role or from a policy standpoint, how can we uh, create a, a bigger movement to basically say, look, we need to take medicine back from the bureaucrats and put it where it belongs between the doctor and the patient. It's a real challenge in my view because the American Medical Association has bought into Obamacare. It only represents something like 16, 17% of doctors in the country, but it's perceived as as the voice of doctors. And mm-hmm. so it has uh, completely bought into Obamacare. And it's, it's going to be tough. There is a movement of doctors like yourself, concierge doctors, who are simply saying we're not taking the insurance anymore or we're, we're going to uh, serve our patients either paying out of pocket or doing something of that nature. Uh, but I, I think the federal government, at least right now, because that's a fairly small movement, you're off the radar screen, but I cannot see any chance that the federal government would allow that to continue if that if for two things number one if the movement gets big enough and number two if Democrats who passed Obamacare are in charge uh, and they can do it in two ways number one the federal government uh, funds medical education in this country part of my Medicare dollars goes to fund uh, medical students so they could say if you get a medical education if you're getting a degree in, in the US and we funded you with federal dollars you have to take Obamacare patients uh, that's one way that they could try to keep doctors from dropping out of and not just just not accepting any Obamacare patients. Secondly, the states um, license doctors, and so uh, I wouldn't expect this from red-leaning states, but I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if blue-leaning states were to say, especially if a number of doctors were pulling out to say, you, we we're providing you with a license to practice medicine. If you're doing that, you have got to see these doc these uh, Obamacare patients and treat them and accept the Obamacare insurance if you're operating in our state. Like I said, I wouldn't see that from the red-leaning states, but it wouldn't surprise me if California, New York, New Jersey, and some other states didn't ultimately do that if enough doctors decided to quit the system. 
Yeah, and I jokingly, half-jokingly, responded to someone's post about that. What if it becomes tied to licensure? And I said, well, that's why I bought this book, and it's called Getting Out. It's about different ways to move out of this country. Because I won't, I won't, I won't practice under that regime. I think it's on for me. It is against my um, morals, essentially, and I won't do it. I will, I will start. A, I will become a farmer or something else. I, I refuse to do it. Well, of course, um, a lot of doctors who are getting close to retirement age are going ahead and taking early retirement if they've managed to set enough money aside. They just don't want to put up with the kinds of things that are going on anymore. And who can blame them? Uh, Medicare uh, medicine has moved from a system several years ago in which doctors' uh, obligation was to treat patients. Their first obligation was to take care of the patients. Uh, all the other things came second. But these days, you've got to you've got to manage the health insurer. You've got to manage the federal government. You've got to manage various regulations coming down from the Department of Health and Human Services, which says this is the way you have to practice medicine or we will cut your reimbursement rates, and uh, and you can end up going to jail if you aren't practicing medicine the way the government thinks you ought to. Absolutely, and it could be something as uh, innocent as you know missing a code or not putting this period where it's supposed to be or using a zero instead of a an O. It's it's really if the if the layperson knew about the uh, struggles that the everyday physician goes through who's an insurance practice, and my heart goes out to those doctors and I don't need to be patronizing but the truth is is for for the for the doctors who are in the insurance world and who do a good job it is it is really because of their overwhelming commitment to their patients because everything every obstacle imaginable has been put in their way and it's almost uh if it wasn't tragic it would be it would be funny uh one of the organizations though that is standing up you brought up the AMA is the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and and they are probably uh, one of the greatest allies of free market medicine, in my mind, among others. But uh, they they do a great job of challenging not only in you know the public relations war, but they 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 take people to court, and uh, they have a court uh, um, case now against the maintenance of certification, which is. Uh, a lot of doctors up in arms about maintenance of certification means that you have to be certified by the uh, – you don't have to be. It's voluntary, but a lot of times it's you're, it's kind of voluntary, but it's not voluntary because if you're not certified uh, by the boards, then maybe you don't get hospital privileges or maybe you don't get this insurance contract. So the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons is one of the great organizations out there, and uh, they are really fighting the good fight. They've been doing a good job for, uh, oh, what, 60 years now. They've been around since, I think, right after World War II. Uh, I believe it was 1946, and, yeah. And, and you're right. They were the ones who challenged uh, Hillary Clinton initially in the Hillary Care fight back in the uh, 1993 when um, they were trying to keep everything secret that they were developing for this health care fight. And, and my recollection is that uh, AAPS won most of those uh, legal battles as they went forward. And, of course, eventually the, the, uh, the Hillary Care uh, legislation failed, and uh, in 1994 nobody was going to – there was no chance that Congress was going to pass yeah. it. So it, it fell apart. But it, uh, it was a big challenge, and AAPS led that charge. Yeah, and the political collapse I think was, uh, in, in in many ways, is because of the legal the legal challenges caused a political collapse, and maybe that's something that we can do. I don't know. Uh, this is a uh, Dr. Tommy McRoy, and I'm on with Dr. Merrill Matthews, and I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Dr. Matthews and uh, some of the things that he likes to do besides uh, being a policy analyst. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. We'll be right back. 
Echelon Health is a concierge medicine practice. So what's included with concierge medicine membership? Well, all office visits and procedures are included. Also, our patients access wholesale pricing on labs and medications. They communicate with the doctor and staff through text, email, and cell phone. They also enjoy same-day or next-day appointments, all for one yearly fee. Echelon Health is medical care for a modern lifestyle. Join us online at tampadirectcare.com to learn more. And thank you for joining us again. This is Dr. Tommy McElroy, and I'm on with Merrill Matthews, and he has a... Uh, uh, he's the resident scholar, a resident scholar at Institute for Policy Innovation, and we've been discussing Obamacare. And Dr. Matthews, you uh, you have a was a six degree uh, black belt in martial arts. Is that correct? I I have a six degree black belt in Taekwondo, and then a first degree black belt in what's called Kabuto, and that is the uh, Japanese weapons system. So uh, weapons like uh, uh, Boken, that's a wooden samurai, uh, the Sai, the Tanfa, uh, the the uh, bow, which is about a six-foot staff, the joe, which is about a four-foot staff. So use the uh, various types of Japanese weapons. How long have you been doing martial arts or taekwondo? Uh, getting close to 50 years. I started back in 1968. Actually, if you go to my really young days, uh, my parents enrolled me in judo back in 1961, but we moved not too long after that, so I wasn't able to stay in it long. And I, uh, But in 1968, I signed up for taekwondo in Dallas. It was a... Um, uh, it was a, a, a small school that had two or three outlets in there, but there weren't very many people in uh, martial arts at that time. And it was a much tougher system then because it wasn't sort of set to make money. So we would, the classes were two hours. You would be doing, uh, uh, we would do at least 200 push-ups during the class. Those are push-ups on your knuckles, not on your hands, on your knuckles. And mm. uh, didn't even have air conditioning in the thing. And, and Texas summers, it made it a hot, uh, oh, a hot environment. But it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was called Texas Blood and Guts Karate. Uh, but I've been in for these many years and teach uh, classes uh, at a YMCA on Saturday. It, how long for the uninitiated? And I'm one of them. To be to be different levels of like, if you wanted to be, I'd say proficient in Taekwondo. How how long would it take essentially to be able to say, look, I, I'm pretty much I know the basics and I'm I'm good. For for us, we would argue that about three and a half. It takes about three and a half to four years to get a black belt, and that's if you don't have uh, a lot of challenges to overcome. Say, for instance, uh, very overweight and you need to lose some weight or something like that. So usually, three and a half to four years of steady work. There are some schools that produce it uh, black belts earlier than that, but those black belts usually cannot go into competition and actually do very well. So it takes about three and a half to four years for you to be able to step out and then go into competition either in the forms that we do or in the fighting and actually be able to defend it. So uh, it's, it's a long process. It takes a lot of time and effort, but it's, uh, I would argue that it does, it does a lot of benefits for people. And Taekwondo is a uh, art form that is usually with the kicking and, and punching. And is that differentiated from karate? Is karate right. more kicking? Right. Taekwondo is a Korean style. Uh, what we talk, call karate is generally a Japanese style, and then there's also a Chinese style. And the variations, the Chinese stylists use a lot of hands. They don't use their feet very much. The Japanese tend to use hands and feet about equally, but the Korean stylists always liked kicks better, and especially head high and jumping kicks. So they've always stressed kicks 
uh, much more so than they use the hands. And uh, for years, if you, you, you almost couldn't win national competitions unless you were a Korean stylist because the kicks were your legs are longer and people were, once they got good at using them, they were just able to win more tournaments by being able to use the kicks, and especially the head-high kicks, which sometimes get you even more points because the judges like to see that. Do you follow at all MMA? Uh, I have a little bit. I don't know much about it, but I have watched it some. Uh, my problem with it is that they spend so much time grappling that I kind of lose right. interest at that point. So I really prefer the systems where people are standing back from each other and uh, and throwing techniques rather than the, the grappling part of it. Right. And, you know, I come from a similar standpoint. I'm a, a, a huge boxing fan, and I grew up really enjoyed boxing. And uh, there's been people say, well, you should like MMA because boxing is, you know, not as even as intense as MMA. And I think it's the same thing. It's kind of like saying if you like American football, then you should like rugby because rugby is even less structured. But to me, I like boxing because it is a science. Not to say MMA is not. I don't, I don't want to say that. But boxing, you're limited. So you have to beat them with your fist. And I guess, you know, similar to what you're saying is yours is a more technical versus, you know, grappling, which is grappling is technical. But. Grappling has a lot of techniques to it, but when they get when they get to that, they're laying there, they're oftentimes rolling around, but sometimes they're not, not much is happening. And at least from my standpoint, I just prefer to see the, uh, the, the kicks and punches thrown. So if they were doing MMA with no grappling, I'd be fine with it, but I just I, I get tired of the grappling for, pretty quickly. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, we were talking during the break, too. We were talking about music, and, and you, you're a big fan of uh, classic rock and oldies rock. You know, some of the bands we're talking about, like Cream and Led Zeppelin, is there any bands out there on the horizon that you, you listen to currently that either remind you of that or that you really enjoy? You know, not really. I do hear some of those, and I, I I find them kind of interesting. And there's just so much of it today. In fact, both of my uh, both of my uh, children uh, married uh, husbands who are in bands, and one of my daughters uh, uh, is a percussionist. But uh, they they play gigs, and they're in. Uh, they do uh, various types of music or top forty things that in the in the bands they play. But I just I don't find that much interesting today. I just, I thought groups like Cream and Led Zeppelin and Three Dog Night and some of those just did such a good job that I, I just find those things still really good. And and they've survived the test of time. It's been, what, 40, 50 years, and that music is still being played and people still like it. Absolutely, and it always will. I think a classic rock probably format is... Uh, as popular, more popular than top 40 in the radio station world. Uh, one one band, if you haven't exposed yourself to it, I was exposed to it by someone who told me that if you like Cream, because I did like Cream, that you'll like that. And it's the Black Keys, especially some of their earlier work. It's really a uh, gritty uh, rock and roll. It started off with just drums and guitar, and now they expanded out. But uh, if you haven't listened to the Black Keys, I highly recommend that. Good. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Matthews, for coming on. It was a real pleasure, and we hope to have you back on at some other point. But until then, uh, let us know how we can follow you and follow some of your writing. Finding me is easy. We're on the web at IPI.org. That's the Institute for Policy Innovation, and it's IPI.org. Okay. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and, uh, and thank you for the work you do on our behalf, uh, that being patients and doctors. Thank you, doctor. And this is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. And uh, if you'd like to hear more Ask Dr. Tommy shows, you can, you can find us on iTunes. 
And you can also find us on AskDrTommy.com. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. For more show news and information, go to AskDrTommy.com. And be sure to follow Dr. Tommy on Facebook at Echelon Health and on Twitter at Tampa Direct Care. To learn more about Echelon Health Concierge Medicine Practice, visit Echelon Health online at TampaDirectCare.com.